Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Fan, fan, absolutely fantastic. Great to see your smiling faces. Um, I want to give a shout out to all our teams that are working really hard. As I said, we're a church under construction, so there's lots of things to do. We're in a temporary room this week, and then next week we'll be back in the normal room for Father's Day, and we've got some special things planned uh, for Father's Day. So uh, if you your father is is nearby and available to come we would love to to have them along and celebrate family in different forms and uh, also the week after that we're having our official launch and we've got the double room for that launch so we're going to be opening that up we've still got more gear arriving thanks so much for your generosity and so it's really really cool I want to give a special shout out to our coffee team I'm looking at you Brock Brock, don't be so surprised. This is what you wanted. This is what you asked me before the service. Please make a big deal about me. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, and Michelle. And so uh, these, these wonderful people, as well as some of our other baristas. Now, because of COVID, we could only train six baristas in one go, but we are going to be doing some more training um, in the future. And so we are planning to have free coffee in the mornings, but today we're gonna be having coffee afterwards because we're still working through. So straight after, hang around, we've got some food. I think they'll bring coffee into us, coffee and tea as well um, for those people who are not as good as coffee people, but who still like hot hot drinks. So hopefully I don't offend too many people, but I can't guarantee anything. (laughs) And so I guess one of the things that I've been talking about is for the life of this church, why don't we always make coffee free? Who thinks that's a good idea? But here's the thing, it's, nothing's ever free, but essentially what we'll just decide to do is that each week we buy each other a coffee. That's essentially what happens, yeah. Not with actually giving money, but through the money that you give as part of your regular giving, your tithes and offerings, that we just say as a community, yeah, we want to welcome people, we want to hang out, we want to have some... Uh, coffee there as well so um, yeah if you would love to contribute to this community there's an offering box at the back and also online you can give at our website which is www.citylights.community slash give and all the details that you need are there so yeah our launch is coming up Um, on that day we're gonna have some more space who could you invite that doesn't yet know Jesus or doesn't have a great church to come along to. So have a think about that and invite someone along. We would love to welcome them. So uh, today I'm going to continue my series. I started off with a series about extending the family table and around the concept of belonging. And as I started to look at belonging in the Bible, I started to see some enemies of belonging, some things that stop us. As a church, one of the images that we have for you to help us understand our church is the family table. 
It's a place of belonging. It's a place where everyone contributes and everyone enjoys. We're not fine dining with customers and staff. We're not a drive-through that is contactless, but we're a place where we can have relationship together with each other. And we grow by extending that family table. We grow by making more room for each other. So that's what I've been talking about. And um, I've been looking at a couple of different enemies of belonging. The first one that we looked at was spiritual pride. Now, I didn't expect to preach on this, but spiritual pride, what happens with, with spiritual pride, you start to compare yourself to others. Now, sometimes we think, with pride that when if I'm proud I will compare myself to others and I will say I am better than them and that's true but something that also happens is when we have pride we compare ourselves with others and we realize instead of that we're not good enough or we tell ourselves that we're not good enough so instead of being excluded by others we exclude ourselves because we look at ourselves we compare ourselves with others and go wow, they must be a lot better than us. I don't fit in because I'm not as good as them. And that is an enemy of belonging. Last week, we spoke about the tyranny of busyness, which is a life consumed by activity without relationship to Jesus and without hearing his voice. Pretty powerful. And so today, I'm going to continue that with another enemy of belonging. About three years ago, maybe three years and a couple of months ago, I had a very uh, low time in my life. And I remember we were um, on holidays and we went to Palm Beach, which is a pretty nice place to go. And uh, we were, were there and at that time, our youngest son, he was 18 months old. I don't know, anyone remember holidaying with an 18 month old? Okay, so you, you cannot, sit still for like almost any amount of time and so we're in this um, house kind of in the little like an Airbnb in the kind of little the burbs of Palm Beach about a five minute walk to the to the beach and the promenade which is really nice um, but we would like be putting furniture together to stop this little boy who would throw stuff and then we'd take him outside and he'd put rocks in his mouth and all that kind of stuff and and uh, just find all the stuff. So it was a time um, that, was, that was good, but within myself, it was a very low time for me because I, was, I had incredibly low confidence. And I just felt that I, this is my perspective on myself, I felt I wasn't good at anything. Like this is, <laughs> this is my kind of mental state, I felt I wasn't a good pastor. I felt I wasn't a good dad. I felt I wasn't a good husband. And I just, I just was, was really low. And so what happens when I'm low, it doesn't happen very often, but I'm not super fun to be around. I don't smile, I don't laugh. I'm just super serious all the time. And um, yeah, it's, it's not amazing, uh, but this is what, where I was, I had no confidence. And I don't know if you've been in a place like that, or maybe not all at once, but you've had times that you are low in confidence, maybe because of something that someone has told you, maybe because something of 
that someone has not told you. You know, sometimes silence is deafening. You know, that, you, know you, you're, you have needs that aren't being met. Sometimes people have showed you with their actions. And sometimes it's something that you've done, but it gets a bit worse because it starts to become a label and you think that that's who you are. And you question your value and you question your contribution. And you also question your belonging. And as I said, sometimes somebody has told you that and it's not the truth. And I think the only thing worse than someone telling you you have no value is when you actually believe them. I think that's true. And sometimes some of these experiences become a filter that you can interpret everything that's going on in your life. You're just low confidence, you, things have happened, they're not right, and you, it, it's, it's a filter. And as I said, you question your value, you question your belonging, and here's what I was saying to myself, am I really worth anything to the people around me? Now, I know that that's not true, but sometimes it feels really true in different moments, and that's how I felt at that time. And I want to talk about the third enemy of belonging, which is questioning your contribution. Questioning your contribution. And I want to uh, read together a passage of scripture, a story. It's in Mark chapter 12, 41 to 44 in the New Living uh, Translation. If you have that, uh, you can read along with any Bible you have, or you can follow along on a device. And it's a story about Jesus. And uh, Jesus observing some things, but it's also uh, a time where he's teaching his disciples. He wants to take some principles of things that are happening in this story. So Mark chapter 12, 41 to 44. So Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple. And he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to join him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Now I love when I read the Bible, and particularly the Gospel, that Quite often, Jesus uses extremes to illustrate big ideas. And so that's what's happening here. He's using an extreme to illustrate a big idea, to teach his disciples. He says in verse 43, it says in verse 43, Jesus called his disciples to him and said. So he's seen something, he's observed something, and he wants to teach disciples, which I hope that you would consider yourself a disciple, someone who follows Jesus. And so he wants to teach us about something. And this is definitely about money, but today that's not going to be my emphasis. I'm going to go a little bit deeper where Jesus is going into talking about our hearts and what's going on inside. So a couple of things. The first thing to say, Jesus is watching. And I think that it's important for us to know Jesus watches even now he observes our life he observes the way that we live not because he's mean but because he cares and he watches over us so jesus is in jerusalem 
as part of the Passover and his people watching. And it says that he um, is near the offering boxes. And at that time, consider um, the boxes probably looked like a box. That's awesome. Probably with a big trumpet. Okay, they had some kind of like, think about a box with a trumpet on it. That's kind of the picture. And so they would give coins. And who knows who, I don't know how long you've been around in church and particularly when um, we used, used to have a lot more cash. And so remember bringing like a coin offering and you had like a bunch of coins and as it went by, you'd hope that it was like padded or something, but you know, you'd have that kind of big splash of all the coins. Um, I remember doing that growing up. And so Jesus is people watching and I don't think he had x-ray vision to what people were giving, but I think he could hear the sound of the coins going in. And it says that there were some rich people there and obviously with the amount of coins and the type of coins, you could tell that they were kind of like making a splash, right? So they were there, and we know from the Bible that some of those use that as a way to show off. And then a poor widow came in, and she was the poorest of the poor. We know that by the language and also by what she gave. And she chose to contribute to community and in that act she made herself quite vulnerable you know when you take something public when you give what you have like I know every time that I get up here and we've got such a, a great and emerging team when you kind of stand up in front of people you make yourself vulnerable and you kind of put yourself on display and so contributing in community she was kind of she was making herself a little bit vulnerable she was vulnerable also to comparison. That's what happens when you choose to give something to someone else. And I think, I don't know about reflection on your life, but we kind of do this quite a lot when you, um, you know, you go to somebody's house, you're invited to someone's house and you kind of look at their house and like, this is a good house or, you know, you come in and you, you kind of compare yourself, you, you compare sometimes without knowing what people are wearing, what kind of car they drive, all kinds of stuff. I know, um, you know, uh, Dave uh, Walton is not here, he's hurt his back. And Seth and I had a mountain bike ride with him this week, which was great. And he's very fit. So on the, on the hill, there was this hill section, boom, he's straight up. I'm like, I'm not going to invite that guy again. <laughs> Right, is too good. So, so this is sometimes what, what, what we do. We kind of want to like calibrate our relationships because of comparison. And so I don't think that when Jesus was observing this stuff, he had x-ray vision. But what Jesus could see spiritually is he could see into the heart and he could see the motives. So everyone could see what she was giving, but Jesus saw what was going on inside which is super significant so the first thing is jesus is watching the second thing is that love wants to give the poor widow she was motivated by her love and devotion to god that is the only reason that she was there she could have given herself an out she could have justified her circumstances to say well 
because of my circumstances, I, I can exclude myself from being part. But something within her wanted to give and love wants to give. A commentator, uh, one of my favorite commentators, R. Kent Hughes, says this, On this Passover, she was silently saying to God, I love you and all I have is yours. Here's my heart, my life. The Passover crowd had been ooing and ahhing over the extravagance of the rich and Jesus had been remained un unmoved. But when the widow passed by, though he sat still, he was inwardly on his feet clapping. She was a rare flower in a desert of official devotion, and her beauty made his heart rejoice. So for her, contributing, giving generosity was part of her worship, and she didn't want to be excluded from that. It was actually something that was very valuable to her. And she gave everything she had. And the question is, why didn't Jesus stop her giving? If he knew that she, this was the last, why didn't he stop? And what he's trying to communicate is a number of different things, but he's also trying to communicate that love wants to give everything that you have. Now, uh, my wife and I have been married for almost 17 years. And uh, she, I'm looking forward to the day when we've been married more than we've been single. So that's like probably six and a bit years away. So that's going to be a cool milestone. And so with our relationship, everything that I have is hers. But there was one time that I resented one thing that she kept taking. And these were my extra large sport socks, okay? <laughs> so I have size 12 feet. She, so they're larger, and so I have to buy special extra large socks. And we have lots of socks, but not, they're not all extra large. And so I would go to exercise, and I would not be able to find my extra large socks, and I'd be sorting through the sock drawer and then I would see her jaunting around the house in these uh, ankle socks that kind of came more up to like halfway <laughs> through because they're very comfy. And I honestly, it took me <laughs> far longer than it should have to get over that fact. And I was just, I, I explained it calmly. I'm like, okay, I need these socks. And then eventually I just got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to not worry about the socks. I'm going to let you have them. I did buy more later, but it was more a <laughs> willful decision. What does it mean to give everything? It doesn't mean that you always give, like empty your bank account or sell all your house and you have no furniture. It just means that Everything that you have belongs to the other people. So this is what Jesus, where Jesus wants us to be, a type of love that says, yeah, we can have a house and we can have a car and you know all kinds of stuff. We're not trying to have make a form of Christian communism where we all have the same stuff and there's some kind of um, equity there. 
in that way, but we get to a point where it's like, God, everything that I have is yours. I'm not holding tightly onto my possessions and the things that I have and onto my time, but I'm open to hearing your voice. And this is what was happening in the life of this poor widow. Here's a, a poem from about 150 years ago um, from a guy by the name of James Russell Lowell. He says, Not what we give, but what we share. For the gift without the giver is bare. Who gives himself with his arms feeds three, himself, his hungering neighbor, and me. So there's something transformative that happens when we learn to give of ourselves that it's good for us. It's good for the other person and Jesus delights in it. And so this is why Jesus wasn't shutting this moment down. He was honoring this moment and you better believe that he made sure that that woman was provided for in her needs. But giving is good for us. Giving is good for others and giving delights the heart of God. But also, I believe that when we give, we get a deeper sense of belonging because we can be a part of what's going on here. So that was number two. Number three here, Jesus, and this is the big one, Jesus turns upside down the normal valuation of people. So the normal valuation back then is quite often the normal valuation now. It's about money and success. But Jesus was looking at the heart. He says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. That is a strange thing to say. She, has, she gave the, le the least amount, but she has given more. What kind of more is Jesus talking about? And Jesus turns upside the normal human evaluation of people. In Jesus, there's no advantage to the rich. There's also no advantage to the poor. There's no advantage to the educated, no advantage to the uneducated. No advantage to the successful and no advantage to the failure. Jesus just sees things differently. He sees people differently. And he defines our value and contribution on the basis of our hearts. And that's really, really important. So let me give you a couple of questions for when we question our contribution. If that makes sense. Questions for when we question our contribution. The first one, this is a big one. Can we let Jesus have the final say on your value as a person? This is just fundamental to the Christian faith. Can you let Jesus have the final say on your value as a person? Because a lot of people will have a lot of things to say about you. Who's heard an opinion from someone else about you? who's at times been hurt by that. Yes, who has hurt someone else by your opinion? Yeah, I see that hand up the back, Dad, yeah. No, we'll talk about that next week, Father's Day. Um, um, but yeah, we, our words have an impact on other people. And sometimes, usually most often, our words don't come out the way that we want them to be. They don't match the motive of our hearts. But we are all impacted by the words 
but we need to let Jesus have the final say. So this is the first thing. You need to get to a point where it's like, yeah, I've heard that. Some of the, those words are helpful for our growth and develop our resilience. We have to overcome them. Some of them are just outright harmful. But are we going to let Jesus have the final say on our value as a person? We first belong to Jesus. The second question is, will you give your whole self to God? These are big questions, right? What does it mean to follow Jesus? It, it means to say, Jesus, everything that I have is yours. And I would not be a good leader or pastor or teacher or disciple myself if I said that you can neatly compartmentalize your Christianity. You can't. You get to a place where it's Jesus, everything that I have is yours. Does that mean that you have to sell all your possessions? Does that mean that you have to empty your, your bank accounts? No, it doesn't. It means you learn to listen to the voice of God. But like me and the socks, you just get to a point where you're like, everything that I have is yours. So it's about surrender. It's about trusting your whole self, all that you have. So first one, can you let Jesus have the final say? Second one, will you give your whole self to God? And the third one, and this is really significant with what we're talking about, but also the type of environment and culture that we're building in this church as we're forming. This one is, can you be okay with what God has given you? Can you be okay with it? I want to give you... Uh, two examples here. I've got props. They're awesome. Well, you tell me if they're awesome when you do your user feedback. Hopefully you give me five stars. Um, that was a joke. But no one's laughing. Which is, I believe that the best jokes are the ones that you have to explain. So that's kind of my philosophy in life. Um, anyway, I think I'll move on. What's my wife saying? She's saying move on. She's helpful. Okay. So I've got two balloons here, All right, party balloons, they're the colour red, and they represent people in a church community and what they have, okay? This is what God has given them, All right? And so this is usually what I've seen happen. Someone looks at what God's given them and they say, that is small and that is not much. And so I'm a little bit embarrassed about that. So I'm just going to hide that away. So that's what I see a lot. People are like, oh, if I did that, I would have to make myself vulnerable. And I don't know what would people say about that. And is that good? That's what I've seen happen quite often. Here's also what I see. And sometimes, you know, with these things, you see a bit of both in yourself. Sometimes people take what they've given and they're like, oh, it's not much but I need to fill it with hot air. And so they create like a brand and a marketing around that. And so they, see if I can do this. Wow. Just breathe. I have a bad thing with blowing up balloons. I'll tell you later. Okay. So this is what we do sometimes. We've got the same... Thing and we feel like we have to puff up 
what God has given us to make it good enough for everyone else around us. Who's ever experienced that maybe in themselves? Because we're insecure. And I've done it in the past. Definitely, I've done both. I've been fearful or afraid and I've kind of puffed something up. And neither of those are healthy. But here's what Jesus does is he comes and he says, I've got this big tank of helium and I want to throw a party. Has anyone got a balloon? So Jesus's perspective is, would you trust me with what I've given you to do something great that is beyond you? I still want to partner with you. Do you see how that is important? That we don't diminish what we have, nor do we think that we have to inflate what we have. But we've just got to bring it and surrender it to Jesus. The other uh, illustration here is I have a five cent coin. Who here is pretty much like totally contactless? They don't use coins or anything. Some of us, most of us. But I don't know when was the last time. I remember um, growing up and um, you could buy like lollies with a five cent coin. And probably some of you are old enough to say, I, I had a threepence and I was buying, a, buying some lollies or something like that, or a pence or something like that. But five cents, I, can we get some kind of agreement that five cents is not a lot? Okay. So we, we, what we have, in essence, in the eyes of God, is probably like five cents. God doesn't the value of what we have is not actually in the actual amount. Yeah? Agree? So because God is, he has unlimited riches. He, he, he is God. He, he doesn't need money. He doesn't need our things. He doesn't need our gifts. And sometimes here's what we can do. We can say, well, I've only got five cents. But someone else, I've seen them, they've, they are so much better than me. They're gifting is like, it's so much better. I reckon their gifting is 10 times better. And 10 times better is still 50 cents. And so sometimes we think that God is more pleased with someone else who's got 10 times more gifting than us. But in reality, in the eyes of God, they're essentially the same. There's very little difference. They make very little difference. And so we just have to be so comfortable that we've got to take what God has given us and we've got to surrender it to him. And the reason that we do is because he's looking at our hearts and he's looking at a response of surrender and a response of obedience. So hopefully those two illustrations have helped you. Sometimes we want to hide. Sometimes we want to puff up. Sometimes we want to compare but God is just saying, bring what you have. Can you be okay with what I've given you and entrust it to me? And then we'll go from there. That's what we see in the Bible. Can you be okay what I've given you? A couple more real quick and then we're always done. The fourth thing is, can you trust God to make a lot out of your little? Can you trust him to make a lot out of your little? That what you have, when you bring it with the right motives, right heart, that he will multiply it. And this is 
some of the stories that we see. A really tangible thing is when Jesus took bread and fish and he multiplied it to feed thousands of people. He's just always reminding us to bring what we have and let him use it for his glory. For Jesus, the value of the gift is not the amount given, but the cost to the giver. It's something that's valuable, something that's from the heart. Two quick, quick more things and then we're, we're going to finish up. The, the fifth one is, are you willing to share it with others? Like I said, taking it public, public means it takes courage and vulnerability. It takes courage and vulnerability to get up and sing in front of someone else. It takes courage to make someone else a coffee. It takes courage to smile and welcome someone. It takes courage to operate a sound desk. It takes courage to share your faith. Are you willing to share what you have with others? The last question is, can you trust God to look after your needs? For Beck and I and our journey, we can say categorically yes. Categorically yes. At the beginning of last year, um, we stepped out to plant this church without income, without financial support, and God has supplied all our needs in really unusual ways. And we don't have anything in our life that we lack or that we want. And that's just a testimony that we were like, okay, God, I, I give what I have to you. I just, I surrender it to you because I love you and I want to be obedient to you. So don't question what God has given you, but share it freely. Don't compare what God has given you, but accept who he's made you to be and let an overflow of your heart, full of love. This is what happened in this widow. Her heart overflowed, and we're talking about her thousands of years later. She had an eternal impact. We can't know the impact that the little things that we do. We believe that as a church, we're going to see hundreds of people come to know Jesus that don't know Jesus right now. That's where we're going. That's a big part of why we exist. And it's because of the little things, it's the little things that we do to create an environment that is welcoming, to invite others into our lives and share time and food with them. And so let an overflow of the love of your heart change the world. Here's another question. What's stopping you from giving away what you have to others? There are some things some areas that God has been speaking to you about, about just releasing some of what God has, has put within you and don't let anything stop you. I love that when we do this, our confidence grows. When we allow Jesus to have the final word, the final say on our value as a person, our confidence grows. Our sense of belonging to Jesus grows. When we freely share what we have without comparison to others, our confidence grows in the community and we begin to be enlivened. Hebrews 10.35, don't throw away your confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. What is that reward? The reward is what I talked about. Generosity, contribution, giving, it is good for you. It is good for the other person 
and it delights Jesus, that is the reward that I'm talking about. And real quick, uh, we're going to pray in a minute. But one thing that we recognize is that we need an overflow of love from our hearts. But sometimes when I look inside my own heart, I realize that I don't have enough capacity. I don't have enough love. I stretch to the end of my human limits. And I'm just so encouraged that God gives us something. He calls us to share it. But he also gives us the capacity of love and of generosity to do that. And he does that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, uh, 5, the second part of it, one of my dad's favorite scriptures, says, For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. So you don't even have to initiate this whole process. You just have to invite the presence of God within you. Earlier this week, I was reading uh, an excerpt of a sermon from William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army and saw a great revival in England. And he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And here's part of what he said. He says, if you are the weakest here and yet bring to him a simple, honest heart with an intense, earnest purpose to do your utmost for him, he will do his mightiest for you, both within you and by you. Isn't that powerful? If you consider yourself the weakest, but bring a simple and an honest heart, He will do his mightiest for you, in you, and by you. This is the overflow of the love of Jesus Christ. And this is a heart that pleases God. Let's pray together. You can join me by bowing your heads. First of all, I just want to, um, I just want to affirm some people. There's some people here that have been... Um, in the past and maybe even many, many years ago, through things people have said or done, people have been really hurt and their value has been questioned. And so for those people, I want to pray and I want to allow the Holy Spirit to work in hearts to define value and belonging. And so Jesus, we thank you that you're here, your presence is here, your Holy Spirit is here. Those that have been injured by words, those that have been hurt by words. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus for the restoration, the, the love, that overflow. You know, if you've got a cup with a little bit of dirty water and you just pump a whole lot of fresh and clean water and that dirty water is displaced, that's what God wants to do in hearts this morning. I pray that those that have their value has been injured or impinged, Lord, that they would know that sense of love. Lord, I pray for those that are a little unsure about what God has given them and think that God hasn't given them much, particularly in comparison to other people they see or the perception of other people they see. Lord, I pray that they would just be encouraged 
they'll just be energized to say, God, I'm, I'm going to give what I have freely. There's power in the giving. And so, Lord, we, we thank you for that. Lord, we pray that this would be a place where people can get a deep sense of belonging because they share freely with others. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us. And we've got some food and some coffee and some uh, tea that's coming. So hang around. Uh, introduce yourself to somebody. It's great to have you here. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.